Uh, but today, uh, believe it or not, for, for those who have been here at, at Grace Hill uh, Church for any length of time, we have spent two years in the Gospel of Luke. And, uh, and so as I was thinking about now making that transition to the next series, um, and we'll be doing a variety of things in the year 2019, uh, we could have uh, taken a, a step into a topic, and we'll, we'll do that in a couple time ways probably this, this year. But I, I wanted to show you that I could take a small book and not take forever to get through it. And so uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Titus, and you can see in your bulletin, uh, Pastor Bill put that together. We're going to be looking at a book that you could, if you were going to summarize it, you could say it's, it's a book about a template for the church, or to put the T's together, Titus, a template. A, a template is a, is a pattern, it's a model, it's a blueprint, it's, a, it's an example in which you say, well, what, is the church should be, what should the church be like, and what are some of the important things we need to make sure that we are doing and being if we're living out God's plan for a life? And there's a phrase that is used in a variety of different churches that as we think about living out the Christian life, uh, we do much better together. And, and really, that's what the church is all about. Uh, you, you can read your Bible on your own, you can pray on your own, you can share Christ on your own, on your own but you really can't live out all that God has called us to be uh, by doing it alone. And, and so we're going to see about what that means uh, is, as Paul, the Apostle Paul, writes to a, a young man, you know, kind of like me, a young man, um, and, and talk, to, talk to him about what does it mean to be a pastor in a place that might not be really easy to be a pastor at. And we're going to see that as we go through it. But this morning, what I thought is I would do something that you all really enjoy doing, which is memorize Scripture, right? You all love it when I try to push you to memorize Scripture. So I thought I would take the entire Sunday to look at the passage we've encouraged you to memorize this particular month. And it's a short verse, but if you've worked on it all, you're thinking it's kind of, it's kind of, I don't know if complicated the right word is, but really, other than the first line, what is it really trying to say? And so we're going to try to do that this morning. And if you have your outlines, I encourage you to pull it out and look at it as we try to follow through with the things I want to share with you this morning, hopefully what God has put on my heart for you. And I've entitled the message this morning, A Simple Challenge. As you begin the new year, often we are challenged by people to say, what is, what is your goals for this year? What's your new year challenges? What's your new year goals? And uh, for many of us who've, who've lived any length of time, after a while we say, you know, I've given up on those kind of things. I, I, don't, I don't set any new year goals because uh, either they're more frustrating or defeating or I'm just going to try to do my best. But I thought I would take this morning to to look at a passage of Scripture that could be a challenge for us, not only individually, but, but also the church. And it's, it's pretty simple as we're going to try to break it down this morning. But uh, I, I want us all to see that God has a plan for us. And we don't want to make His plan so general that we don't do anything. And we don't want to make it so detailed that we're overwhelmed. But we want to put it in a way where this is, this is something I know God wants me to be all about. And hopefully we're going we're gonna to do that this morning. I got challenged by um, my oldest son and his wife, Tim and Jenny. They run a, uh, among other things that they do, a exercise, I don't know what you call it, a company or outfit or whatever it might be. It's called Rough Fit. And she, she really likes challenging people physically. And so right at Christmas, you know, there are all kinds of phrases for Christmas. One of them is the, the song, The Twelve Days of Christmas. You ever heard that? Well, she had 12 days of exercise, you know, for Christmas, and it was 100 push-ups, 100 air squats, 100 air, uh, ab rollers, and 100 knee bends, and you're supposed to do that every day for 12 days. And so, uh, you know, trying to be the good, 
you know, father-in-law, I, I did that for, for 12 days, but the problem with that, it never ends. Now she's got one for 26 days, you know. Um, and, and it's not quite as simple as the other one. But as we think about it, people are always encouraging us to, to eat better, to exercise more, or whatever it might be, I'll be a little bit nicer to people around you. I'm, I'm still working on that, that mantra for my life. I'm trying to be kinder and um, gentler. Some of you have already heard that before, okay? And, and I'm still working on that. But what, what I want to do this morning is look at a passage of Scripture that I think if you break it down, really speaks about a challenge that, that could be a life challenge for all of us. But what I want to do, if, if you have your, have your outline, is as we look at this passage, and one of the things that has happened with Scripture memory, and if you're new to the church or new to the, uh, the Bible, one of the ways to retain the Bible is to memorize it. If you want to take it everywhere you go, it's not always easy to pull out a book, uh, called the Bible. It's not easy even to pull out your phone but, uh, as you're driving. But if you've got it in your mind and your heart, it goes everywhere you go and you can think about it and see where's there places for application for my life. And, and we're going to try to do that this morning. And, and, but, but I decided I, I'd give you a variety of different translations. And I really believe that one of the reasons we don't memorize as much as we used to is because everybody has a different you know, version, a different translation, a different kind of spin on what the verse says. So I thought I would just acknowledge that by reading a number of different ways Titus 2.7 is put. In the ESV, the English Standard Version, it says this, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity. In the New King James Version, it says, In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility. And so you see, even in English translation, some have more words and some have less words. And in IV, I call that the nearly inspired version, it says this, And everything set them, an exa- set them an example by doing what is good in your teaching, show integrity, seriousness. The Amplified, and I didn't even put all that is in the Amplified, I left out one line at, at the end which had a whole sentence uh, describing one word. It says, and show your own self in all respects to be a pattern and a model of good deeds and works, teaching what is unadulterated, showing gravity. And in the New American Standard, which is the version I'm encouraging you to memorize as a church, is in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine dignified. And really, in, in the classic way of doing messages, they say you ought to have three points in a poem. There, there are three points here because there's a comma separating three sections in this verse. And what I want to encourage all of us as we begin this new year together, and particularly as we begin looking at Titus, which is a template for our lives together as well as individually, what is this all about? And oh, by the way, I brought out another version. A number of years ago, I bought the New Testament from 26 translations. Now, since I bought this book was when I was still doing youth ministry in, in the first century, they've probably tripled the amount of translations there are in the English language. And so we, we could have gone through all kinds of different ways you could, you could write this. But what I want to say to you, it, if you just simply break it down, it, it really outlines pretty well about what God wants us to be all about, a challenge he has for our lives. And I would put it this way, and then we'll, we'll go through each one, is... What God wants from us is to, to daily do what is good. Daily do what is good. And that, that's the challenge. Is that in, in everything, in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. So whether you call it uh, you know, being a good boy scout or girl scout, you know, have you done your good deed for the day? Is it really that's what God wants from us? 
He, he wants people to see our lives and realize that, that something good has happened to us, and we know something good has happened to us because it leaks out on other people. Is our, is our life shown to be a person that knows someone who is good? And who is the person who is good? Jesus. And because he's good and, and we're following him, then, then our lives daily are, are looking for opportunities to do good. I mean, that's a pretty all-encompassing statement. In all things, in how many things? In all things, show yourself to be an example. Have people look at you as at what things need to be done in a person's life that knows Jesus who is good. In all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. So what does that mean? Is if we think about taking a simple challenge for us as we begin this new year, daily do what is good. But there's another statement in that verse. It's, kind of out, it's set, set apart by a comma in the English language, and it, it simply says this, with purity and doctrine. Now here you say, now we're getting a little heavy here because, you know, I, I can get, wrap my mind around, you know, my life ought to have some kind of a pattern by which people say, I, I'm not about myself, I'm about others. I'm looking to do good, not so much have people do good to me, but I'm looking to, to reach out, not take all the time. With purity and doctrine, that's that's got to be for the pastor types, you know. And I've, I'll, I'll, I'll re-quote my phrase to you. You know, I, I get paid for being good. You're all good for nothing, right? <laughs> you know, that's, uh, I, get a, I get a check from the church all the time. But the reality is we all ought to all be about being a person who is pure in our doctrine. Now, what I like about the New American Standard, it really translates everything like word for word. And you're saying, well, what's the point there? Well, let me try to put it this way, that... that w- we, and if you want to look ahead, okay, some of you always do, is we need to be people who always believe what is true. The word for doctrine, and it's kind of a, what word would I use? It's kind of a, a term that we use selectively about the Bible, about its teachings in a, in a concrete way. But really, the word for doctrine is simply teaching. And what he's saying here is, is he's speaking to Titus who's doing the ministry, and he's going to be the example for the people in Crete, which is where this church is, to, follow, to know what it means to follow Jesus. He says, not only do I want you to do what is good, but I want you to communicate that which is true. And the reality here, and if you're going to communicate what is true, it all begins, first of all, by believing what is true. Now, I'm not going to talk a whole lot about the land of the Bible today, but, but being in the land of the Bible, there are a lot of people who are in the land of the Bible living there who don't believe what is true about God. They've missed the Messiah. They, they, they've missed the one who, who has promised to come. And, and it breaks our heart that right now they're not believing what is true. But that's not just the Jewish people, and there are Jewish people there who have embraced Jesus as their Messiah, but... There are people all around our neighborhoods that they think it's nice that maybe you believe, God, believe in God, but when you now talk about Jesus, it starts to bother them. And really, as you think about the message of Jesus, it is good news. In fact, you know, a, um, a occupational hazard. You know, when, when people don't like people saying certain things to them, you know what they call that? You're preaching at me. How do you think that makes me feel when people say that? You know? 
You know, that's what I do all the time. And, and, and yet we've somehow got the idea that when someone's preaching at you, they're condemning you, they're putting you down, they're giving you a message that, that who would want to hear that, respond to that? But the good news, and, pre, and the word preaching has the idea of proclaiming good news. But it's only good news if it's true. And, it's, it's, and we're only going to be able to communicate that, that good news that is true if we really believe it. And we need to always believe it. That it's always true. And that's what he means. I, I want you to be uncorrupted. That's what it means to be pure in, in, in your teaching and what you, what you understand is, is true in this book. And so when you communicate why you do what is good, it's because you've met someone who's changed your life. And then thirdly, the word dignity, which is kind of a a word you throw, well, why they throw that in? Or dignified, why they throw in that? It, and so we, we think of a person who is, well, we can think of a person who is dignified as a little, you know, maybe a little uptight, you know, some person who's overly dignified. They're always, you know. But the, the idea here is not that you, you can't have fun or you're too serious, but the idea is that, that you're, you're authentic, you're real. But even more than that really means is, is, is you know what is really important. And that's the third challenge I have for all of us is that if we, do, if we daily do what is good and always believe what is true, then we ought to consistently know what is important. If you take the word dignified in maybe a way that we sometimes use it, when, when a person dresses appropriately, they're, they, they're dignified in what they're wearing at the moment. And that it changes whether you're at the beach or at some major event at a high-class hotel or whatever it might be. But the idea here is dignified means that you, you're, you know what is important and, and, and you live it out. So let, let's just practice of, of at least have an idea what this verse means. Let's say uh, daily do what is good with a little more enthusiasm. Daily do what is good. Always believe what is true. Consistently know what is important. Well, let's kind of look at it and see how we can break that down a little bit in terms of what the Bible says about that. Daily do what is good. And, of course, when you think about that, can you give me some examples? Don't be so, so um, general that what is good. I mean, is, it, is, is, is being good simply picking up trash when you see it you know, on the church parking lot? And let me urge you, if you see you know, trash on the church parking lot, pick it up. What, what really, is there any examples in Scripture? Well, if you're in Titus, just turn to the left. And if you're not sure where... Tim, uh, Titus is. It's only. It's a little book. It's got three chapters. Find the T books in the New Testament. You got you know the the Gospels, and then you have Acts, and you have Romans, and First and Second Corinthians, and you have those little books: Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Not nod your head like you know what, what I'm saying here. Then you have the T books: First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Timothy, and then comes Titus. Well, moving to the left, you have in in First Timothy, um, in, in, in chapter chapter five. Um, you have Paul writing to the women, and this is what he, what he says, uh, beginning at verse 10. He says, having a reputation for good works, which is an interesting thing. What kind of rep do you have? When people think of you, what, what, what do they think about you? Are you a person that, that, that uh, they can say, you, you, know, you do good things for other people? And so he's talking about women in the church that had a good reputation, and their reputation was good because they did good for other people, and he says, and if she was brought, and then he lists some things that was good about them. 
And if she, and this was the background of this, I don't have time to go through a lot of the background. I'm talking about people that could be supported within the church in, in the area of need and put on the list. And he says, they have a reputation of good works. And then he said, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, and if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself in every good work. Now, that's a mouthful there, isn't it? What does it mean to be a person who daily does what is, what's the word there? Good. Well, you're a person that, that really is other-centered, not your own-centered. And it begins in the home, doesn't it? Yeah, what, is it, what does it mean to be a good parent? Now, we, we can answer in a variety of different ways. You could say good because you provide for them. You have a home that they can um, ex- experience uh, security within it. Uh, you, you allow them to, to do fun things. But the idea here is not so much, you know, where, where they're being raised, but how they're being raised. And so you're doing good in the home when you raise your children in the Lord. And, you, and that's what's most important to you is that they, they learn to have a love for God that, that you have. But, but then he goes on this list and he says, and if she has shown hospitality to strangers. When God talks about us doing that which is good, and let me, let me just say this here because I probably won't say it later because I'll run out of time. Why, sh- why should we do this? In Matthew chapter 5, 16, it says that we are the light of the world. And it says, show yourself to be a light of the world. And then it says that they may see Jesus in you by your good works. Well, what are good works? Hospitality to strangers. It really means love the people that you do not know. Love the people you do know, but also love the people you don't know that well. And open up your home, open up your life, open up opportunities to connect with people. And so as we think about being good, as we think about this being a simple challenge for us the rest of the year as a church, is that we want to be marked. And that's what it means to be an example. There's there's an impression that you're making. And if I hit my hand hard hard enough and long enough, you'd, you'd see a red bruise beginning to happen on my hand because there's an impression that's being made. And, and God wants us as his people to, in everything, in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds. And the reason for that is that people need to see Jesus in us where we don't do like everybody else does, which lives just simply for ourselves, but for others. And we show that we really care about people. Show hospitality to strangers. Open up what God has blessed you with to be a lover of people around you. And, and then in this list, Paul says, oh, by the way, she, she washed the saints' feet. Now, I, I was really tempted. Well, I wasn't tempted that much, but I was tempted to say, okay, today we're going to have a foot washing. How many of you have ever been to a, a time with a foot washing? So everybody take off your shoes, and I'm going to give you some ointment, and all you germaphobes are going to have a heart attack, and I'm going to have you wash your, you know, the people sitting around you's feet. Is that what he's saying? We ought to start washing everybody's feet? I, I don't think so. What I think he's saying here is that, is that we ought to be willing to do those tasks we don't like doing. You know, that whole thing, well, I don't do windows, you know. I always tell my wife, I don't do dishes either, okay. But, you know, is that, you know are, are we kind of a person marked by we only do the things that we're comfortable doing? Or, or, or maybe we think it's in our job description? 
and we've talked about this before, it was in nobody's job description to wash other people's feet unless you were a slave. But as Christ followers, what God wants us to do is be people who go outside of our comfort zone to show love and care for people in need, whatever it might be. Now, we're not talking about doing things health-wise you can't do, but if you can do it and it's, you have an opportunity, show love in concrete ways by, by daily doing what is good. Yeah, time-wise, we're, we're not going to talk about all these things in that list, but um, assisting those in distress. Now, usually when, when something happens on the road, I'm just praying somebody else gets there before me. Anybody like that? Okay. <laughs> I hope somebody pulls over because I don't want to pull over. But is that the heart of a Christ follower? If I'm first on the scene, I need to be the first one on that scene, doing what I can. Not what I can't do, but what I can. Helping people in distress. That's not always a physical thing. It could be an emotional thing where you come alongside someone and you give a listening ear where you hear the story a little bit longer than you even want to hear, but there's a need there. And then he gives the overall thing, devoting yourself to every good work. You don't, you don't take things off your list because it's, it's not who you are. It's, if the need's there and I can meet it, I'll, I'll do whatever I can. You know, I call this a simple challenge because it sounds so simple in, in theory, and then, then you realize if I think this through, it, it would be a radical change in how I live because I don't merely look out for my own interests, but I look out for the interests of others. I consider others as more important than myself. That's what Philippians 2 is all about. So, God wants us to daily do what is what? Good. Well, let's look at the other thing. He also wants us to always believe what is true. And I, I never want to miss that, is that, that, that we're not simply to be do-gooders out there. We're, we're to do good because we want to have people see Jesus in us. And, and whatever good we used to do before we became a Christian, we want to do more good afterwards because now we've met the one who is good. And we realize that life is all about giving ourselves away. Being more concerned about not how people treat us, but how we treat them. And the only way to live that way is you got to believe that is what is true, right? And he says, well, as he talked to, to Titus, he says, I, I want you to be pure in what you're teaching these people. I, I, don't want you to, I don't want you to change it. I want it to be true. And, and this, is, this is about not only how we ought to live, but everything about what God has to say. I, I just wanted to illustrate this in a couple ways two or three ways in Titus just to begin with. We ought to believe what is true about the church. If you have Titus, look at Titus chapter 1, verse 5. Rise, he begins. He says this to Titus. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you would set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Now you think, well, why did you read that verse? Because the Bible says a lot about the church and how the church ought to be led. It ought to be led by godly people committed to Jesus who are not trying to lead the church on through their own efforts, but through the efforts of the Spirit of God and the maturity that God has given them because we want to point people in the right direction. And apparently the reason he had to appoint elders in every church in that area is because there weren't elders in every church in that area. And they weren't following God's blueprint, his pattern, his example for churches. And it's critical. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 7 that, that we ought to look for those who are spiritual leaders and, and model after what they have to say and how they live. And so the Bible says a lot about the church. The Bible says all about the church that we are to be a family. We are to be 
uh, in relationship with one another, that we, we care about each other like loving family members, that, that we are a body realizing, look at when, when we don't do our part in the body of Christ, then the, the body can't function. If I don't have my hand, then, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I have a good excuse why I can't play golf, right? If I don't have, if I don't have a hand, then I can't operate like I, I was created to be. And if, if we have people in our church that aren't operating like, like God wants them to operate in terms of their gifts and talents, then we won't be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish. We are, we are a flock, which means that we are sheep, and sheep need to be led. And so we, we want the, the great shepherd to lead us in our, own li- in our lives and walking with him. So the Bible says a lot about believing what is true, and, it, and it's, it's individually and corporately. Uh, the, if you go to seminary, they call that ecclesiology. We ought to have a high ecclesiology. We ought to, we ought to have a high view of the church. It's Jesus, it's Jesus who formed the church. You know, throwing another experience from Israel. I've been there a few times, but in, in Caesarea Philippi, you'll see the place where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we ought to have a high view of what this is called, the church, the church of Jesus Christ. But not only should we believe what's true about the church, we ought to believe what is true about Christ. Look at uh, Titus 2, 13 and 14. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Who is Jesus? He's our God. He's our Savior. And what has he done? Who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good, for, zealous for good deeds. Well, we often think about, well, you know, Jesus is my Savior. What has he done for me? He's forgiven me of my sin. He's redeemed me. He's bought me back. He, he created me. But because of his blood, he purchased me to be part of his family. And, he, and when he forgave me, he forgave me for every lawless deed. And, and that's the message of, we give to people about Christ is that it's not, well, you know, he, he cleans up most of your mess, but you better be working on the rest of the mess that, that uh, you've got to clean up on your own is that when Jesus forgives us, he forgives us of everything we've ever done. But he never stops there. Then we have a purpose. And that purpose is to daily do what is good because we want to show people what Jesus has done in our life. So, so Jesus is sufficient for us to come into relationship with him. And we're not saved by our good works. But once we're saved, he wants us to do that which is good to show people he lives within us. So we always should always believe what is true about the church, about Christ, and about salvation. This is a great verse. I'll probably, it's a long verse, so it depends how much faith I believe you'll work on it. But Titus 3, 5, it says, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, again, you need to understand, we aren't saved by good works, but we are to live out our good works. But when he, but he said, it's not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So we ought to believe what's true about the church. We ought to believe what's true about Christ. We ought to believe what's true about salvation. Salvation only comes by the work of the Holy Spirit in your life when he regenerates you and renews you. Now, for many of us, we don't, we don't use the word regeneration very often. You know, how many times do we talk about regeneration? 
It, it, it sounds like a complicated word, but it's actually a pretty simple word. It, it really comes to a, a compound Greek word, which simply means, again, birth. In fact, again, Genesis. A, a, again, beginning. And isn't that what Jesus said about salvation? Unless you're born, what? Again, you shall never see the kingdom of God. And, and so we need to realize that salvation, again, is all about knowing who Christ is, what he's done, and He's the one who regenerates us, takes our life, and gives us a new life. We're born again. In fact, that renewal idea has the same idea. He says he, he makes you new. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. You know, this, this is a new year. You know, it's the third Sunday of the new year. But it's a new year, and we need to realize that this is, this is a new day for us to walk with him. And it's not so much new in, in, in time. It is new in time, but it, it's new in kind. We're new people on the inside. That's, that's the good news. That's why it's all right to preach at people, because you're getting the good news. You can be a brand new person. You know, it's not like Crest toothpaste. It's new and improved. It's not new or improved. It just has a different label, right? But for those who know Jesus... We become new people on the inside. So what, what is the simple challenge for us? We, we want people who daily do what is good and always believe what is true. And not having time to really, really preach this next point, but it's only one word in the, in the text. Dignified. It's, it's consistently knowing what is important. You know, Jesus put it this way. If any, uh, in Matthew 6.33, he said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. See, God wants us to realize that, that, that once we know the truth and are committed to, to do what is good, we, we need to know what to say yes to and what to say no to, right? We, we need to know what is really important. You know, the passage that's in here, and Pastor Bill shared this last, last couple Sundays, is that the Bible says, you know, you know, don't be foolish. Know what is really important. Live the, the walk of wisdom. Don't be filled with yourself, but be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 15 through 18 is paraphrasing that. And, and so as we begin this year, we, we want to know what's important. And sometimes what is important to us at the moment is not that important when we really ask God, is, is this what really is on your heart and your mind? Is this what you want me to be all about or invest my time in? You know, there's all kinds of ways that we can, we can occupy our time. And, and, and God wants us to, to be restored and to, to enjoy what he has given us and created for us. But he wants us to all to be on purpose as we live our life. That how we do what we do shows that we know the one who is good and has made us good on the inside because we're following him. So what's the challenge this morning? How are we doing? How are you doing? How am I doing? Being committed to, to daily do what is good, to always believe what is true, and the desire to consistently know what is important so that we might be marked by the one who makes an impression in our life that lasts forever. Because when Jesus invades our life, he changes everything.
Let's pray together. Father, this is, this is really a challenge for all of us because it's so easy to be preoccupied with ourselves. And Father, it, it's not that you, you don't want us to enjoy all the blessings you've given in our life, but you want us to realize there's a purpose for leaving us here to, to show that we understand what real, true life is all about. It, it's all about the one who came to not only give us eternal life, but abundant life. And Father, we pray that we might, as we daily do what is good, always believing what is true and consistently knowing what is important that we might just in the overflow of the spirit work in our lives show to people that we have the love and the joy and the peace that comes from knowing you if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you might they realize it's all about surrendering their life to Jesus who came and died on our behalf and we pray this in Jesus name Amen